today, church? Awesome, awesome. Well, hey, I'm so excited you are with us. My name's Landon. I'm one of our pastors here, and I am honored to speak to you all today. Man, thank you, Pastor Trent, for the opportunity to, to speak because it is game day. Who's had fun already today? All right. Anybody catch him a hot dog on the way in? All right. Okay. <laughs> He's like, yes, I did. Oh, yeah. I had one right before I preached. Probably not a good idea. Uh, just hitting me right now. Uh, but man, I am really excited you're here for game day. And one thing I'm super excited about is that football's back in Tennessee, y'all. Like, it's here. I mean, I would expect after a Vols win, we might get a little, I see a lot of orange in the crowd. And so I would expect when I would say football's back in Tennessee, we get a, a little more of a yell. So let's rewind. Man, football's back in Tennessee, y'all. Come on. Man, I'm so excited. I, as you can tell, I am a Vol fan, which means I have trauma, okay? Um, and so I was like a seventh grader since the last time we won the East. So, uh, but, you know, all that aside, I don't need to flesh out what I go through in counseling uh, here on stage today. Uh, but all that aside, man, I'm, I'm so excited. Football is back and it's game day and I'm just believing that God is going to do some amazing things. I believe that some of you today, you showed up for game day because somebody invited you here or you, you, it's your first time to church in a long time. And I am believing that some of you today are going to make a decision that's going to change your eternity. And I am so excited for what he's going to do in your life. Now, let me just ask a question. How many of you all played organized football at some point in your life? Okay, Anybody? Okay. so a lot of people in the room. How many of you all were cheerleaders at some point in your life? See, I expected more from you cheerleaders. Like, I was expecting at least to cheer. Like, like come on, it's like, like, yes, that is me, I'm right here. Like, I was expecting something from the cheerleaders in the room, but I, I, I don't know what happened. Well, if you played football or you did cheer at some point in your life, you know that when fall rolls around and the crisp, is in the air and your hoodie is on and it's Friday night and the lights are on, you know that if you had somewhat of a decent experience playing or cheering, you probably miss it. And, and you might like kind of have to remind your kids some things like, you know, dad still got it. Go deep, hit the post. I was the 1984 Maryville quarterback, all right? And, or, or like the moms would be like, oh yeah, look at those cheerleaders. They don't do it like we used to. Like, I still remember the whole thing, you know? And, and so some of y'all might be, uh, you know, missing it and trying to remind people that you still got it. Now, I played football in high school and uh, this was actually me, my freshman year playing football. Somebody, some of y'all are like, oh, like that is not cute. Like, it looks like someone without hands cut my hair. Like, what is going on up here? And, and so that, that was me. Uh, I was, uh, man, the, the paper listed me at 5'8", 160, maybe soaking wet standing on a center block. Okay, so I was not that, but I loved playing football. I, I wasn't very good at it. I mean, as you can tell, uh, I'm not don't really have like the like the stature to play football. I mean, I'm wearing a youth XL jersey right now. Uh, that's not a, a joke. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I wasn't really great at, at playing football. I didn't like uh, I, I wasn't like the guy like catching the touchdown passes or or in basketball shooting the winning shot. But I had what was called hustle. Now, if you ever dated someone, that's what you call like a great personality. Okay. <laughs> You know, you have that great personality, which means, you know, like, oh, he's nice. <laughs> um, 
And so I was nice at football, but I had hustle. And, uh, you know, to get out there and play, uh, I was that guy who, um, like, I was on the sidelines and I'd get myself psyched up and, like, I'd be punching my helmet and, like, I was on special teams and I'm just getting absolutely jacked on the sideline. It wasn't because I was trying to be intimidating, it was because I was trying to survive. And, uh, and so I didn't want to get, like, broken out there. So I figured if I'm going to go 115%, then I'm going to have to, you know, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to have to go all the way in order to survive out there. Now, we had this all-state uh, middle linebacker. His name was Tyler Richardson. He was a beast. I was a freshman at the time. And and uh, we were in practice. Nobody wanted to go up against Tyler Richardson. And, uh, you know, he had, uh, it was Mr. Football candidate, had all the tackles for our team, really. He was really, really good. So we were playing, uh, or not playing, we were doing the Oklahoma drill. Now, if you're not familiar with what the Oklahoma drill is, essentially, you have a linebacker, you have someone who has to block the linebacker, and you have a tailback behind them. And so it's on the guy who's blocking to block the linebacker so the tailback can score, can get past the guy. So Tyler was the linebacker. They needed somebody to come out and block Tyler. We're like, all right, who wants to go up against Tyler? Well, no one really wanted to. And so I was like, what do I have to lose? Now, looking back, I had everything to lose. I was a freshman, uh, like playing in the floor with my kids one day. I had that to lose. Um, so I go up against Tyler and I'm doing the whole thing. I'm getting amped. I'm getting ready to go because I got to survive. And I go up and I block him and I block him. And, and like the tailback scores and it's like, okay. So the team kind of comes in close and they're cheered. Like, all right, go again. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. All right, again, coach, really? Uh, like I survived the first time. Now you're going to do this. All right, real cool. Um, I knew where I stood with the coach that day. Um, so, so he's like, all right, again. So I go up, I block him. I block him again and we win. And then the third time, I think the dude realized that he was being blocked by a marshmallow. Um, and, and so he comes out and we go up and now I'm 27 years old and I go to the chiropractor two times a week. That's just my life. Um, so, but here's the deal. I left that day and I was hurting. My shoulders haven't been the same since, honestly. But I felt like I won because I was small, but I wasn't afraid to get in the game. Now, as fans, we, we really like, like, we, we don't really want to jump out in the game. Like, we may miss it, but, man, when I go to a high school football game and I see, like, a 190-pound 17-year-old with too much testosterone hitting each other, I'm like, I have no desire to do that. No matter how much I, I miss it, no desire to go up against some of those guys at Maryville and Alcoa and the local schools around here. No desire whatsoever. I mean, like, as an adult, you're oh, actually, remember this. Like, as a kid, you fall and you scrape your knee and you, like, get Neosporin on it. And you like kiss your mom and then you go back and play. But then like as an adult, you scrape your knee and you start cussing in front of the neighbor's kids. Like, you know, it's like you need pain meds because it's like the worst pain in the world. I have no desire to jump back out there in there. But as fans, we like the sidelines, right? Because the sidelines, there's no risk. The sidelines, you can stay in control. On the sidelines, you can sit on your blanket eat your popcorn, drink your Coke, and do whatever. But guess what? You don't have to get in the game. It's safe. But here's the thing. No matter how much you cheer, no matter if you paint yourself up and you're all in or you're that like one odd dad who like tries to start the defense chant for the student section and they're just like, stop. Uh, like no matter how hard you try, or how many times you harass the ref, you know who I'm talking to out there, okay? Guess what? You really don't make 
that much of a difference on the sidelines. Here's why I say this. I look at our community and, and this is what God's kind of burdened my heart with today. I look at our community and you see opioid addiction. That's just rampant. You see thousands and thousands of people who haven't returned to church. Many of them were never watching online or doing any of that. They just kind of quit going to church. You see students who have taken their life and students who are considering that. You see marriages that have been quarantined together and now they hate each other <laughs> and they're fighting and their marriage is falling apart. You see people who are hopeless. You see people who are broken. You see people who are divided, polarized, living in partisan bubbles, hating each other. But guess what? You see churches on every corner, don't you? They're out there. And you could think, well, you know, the pandemic, or well, you know, it, it's just a season, or, or well, you know, just wait until the election. Donnie T, Joe B, they're going to fix it. All right, somebody's going to fix it. <laughs> or well, just wait until the vaccine. Or well, 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 well. And here's what I believe with everything in me that there's no, nothing's going to change in our community and nothing's gonna change in our region and nothing's gonna change in our world until the people who've grown up around Jesus and the people who sit in the stands on Sunday mornings and watch what Jesus does until the people who have heard and sang the songs about Jesus actually decide to truly follow Jesus and get into the game. See, as fans, we love the sidelines. But guess what? We can't follow Jesus from the sidelines. In fact, Jesus told a man named Peter the exact same thing. And so if you do have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. And as we journey through today's text, we're going to zero in on a man named Peter. Now, in the story, you're going to see Andrew, you're going to see James, you're going to see John, but I really want to focus in on this guy named Peter simply because I really like the dude Peter, okay? He is young, he is a leader, he is tempered, he is hot-headed, he puts his foot in his mouth over and over again, he always speaks up when he shouldn't, and guess what? He just says the worst things at the worst times. I like Peter. I don't know why. I just I feel like I relate to him, maybe. Um, I hope to be like Peter one day, though, because God turns that man into a leader. But I want to tell you about a time when Jesus met him. He was walking by the lake. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. It says this in the text. It says, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Now, before we go any further in this text, there's really something important that I want you to notice. Jesus sees Peter and Andrew. Now, as we know from the scriptures, this is not the first time that Jesus has encountered Peter and Andrew. Actually, we see in John chapter one that they have, they form an acquaintance. They're acquaintances with each other. And now, they, so they kind of have this relationship. He's not following him yet, but he knows who Jesus is. He's probably seen some of the things and heard some of the rumors about the things that Jesus has done. So this is not the first time they've encountered one another, but he, they are 
fishermen. They're casting their net into the sea. Now, at this point in time, this was not a hobby for Peter. This was probably something he did as his profession. This was his livelihood. This was the only thing that Peter knew. He didn't have a fishing rod. He'd probably take some sort of a net and drop it in, pull it back up, and they were fishermen. So let's go to verse 19. Verse 19 says this, and he said to them, Jesus is saying this, he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So there's a little wordplay going on here. He's saying, you know, you're fishing for fish right now, but hey, Peter, I know you've heard the rumors about what I can do and how I can change people's lives and how people are getting healed. And, but, but guess what? I want to change your life from fishing for men or from fishing for fish to fishing for men so that you can be a part of the work that I'm doing. And the Bible says that immediately, I love the, I love the, the emphasis on that word, immediately they left their nets and they followed him. The reason I love that word is because I know that anytime Jesus calls, guess what? Immediately. That's why for some of you today, today is the day of your salvation because God is going to call you and today you're going to make a decision immediately to follow him. In verse 21, it says this, or in verse 21, I, I'll, I'll summarize it, but essentially they go there with, with, with Peter and they find a few other of his friends and, and they do the same thing. They leave their nets and they follow Jesus immediately. In verse 23 reads this, it says, and they went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all of Syria and they brought him all the sick and those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains and those oppressed by demons and those having seizures and paralytics and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. So I want you to think about the life transformation that just happened to Peter. He was in a boat with his nets and Jesus calls him to follow him. He steps out of the boat and now he's a part of Jesus. Jesus is, is literally disrupting all the marginalized of society by healing them, by casting out demons, by stopping seizures. And it says that people in Syria and beyond the Decapolis and beyond the Jordan are all coming to hear him. His fame is growing. And now Peter, who was just fishing the day before, who was just in his boat, is now experiencing something miraculous all because he stepped out of the boat. See, before Jesus, Peter was fishing. Then following Jesus, Peter was making a difference. See, this is a full life transformation. Peter was stuck in a boat doing the same routine, the same old, same old, casting that here, casting that there, catch some fish, go to sleep, wake up, do it again. And after following Jesus, he's part of healing people, casting out demons, stopping seizures, calling paralyzed people up to walk, crowds following them wherever they went. Talk about a decision that changed their lives. He made a decision to follow Jesus but in order to follow Jesus, Peter had to leave the boat and drop his net. And what is true for Peter and what was true for Andrew and what's true for James and what's true for John here in Matthew 4 is true for you and me too. Because you, me, and Peter, we're pretty similar. You, me, and Peter, we all want to experience a life of purpose, don't we? You, me, and Peter, we all want to live a life that 
truly impacts others, don't we? You, me, and Peter, we all want to live a life where we don't come home from our job empty, don't we? You, me, and Peter, we want to do something with our lives that is bigger than ourselves, don't we? You, me, and Peter, we all want to experience God's power if there's a God out there. See, you, me, and Peter want the same things. Why? Because we're humans. And we want to live for something bigger than just waking up, doing a dead-end job, going home, drink a beer, watch Netflix, scroll Facebook, go to sleep, do the same thing the next day. See, you, me, and Peter all want to live a life bigger than ourselves. But Peter could not experience that while sitting in his boat with his nets. So God called him out. And in fact, I believe the reason that you're here today on game day, and I believe the reason that you're watching with us online, whether it's at at home, in your bed, or at a Starbucks this morning, I believe the reason that God puts you in this place today is because God is calling some of you all out of the boat. But he had to drop the net and get out of the boat. See, I believe God's calling some of you to quit the same old, same old and start living a life that makes a difference in the world and for the world. So here's my bottom line today is this. Don't sit on the sidelines. Get in the game. Don't sit on the sidelines. Get in the game. See, some of us have, have, we've spent our whole life just kind of watching church from the stands. We're just sitting on the sidelines. It's comfortable. We're in control. There's nothing to risk. And I believe God is calling some of you all out today to get into the game like Peter did. See, it's time for some of us. It's time for some of us to stop just living for the daily grind of work. It's time for us, for for some of us to quit just living our lives, checking our stocks, checking our portfolio to see how things are going right now. It's time for us to just get off of Facebook and, and, and just thinking about politics all the time. It's time for us to actually get our butts in the game. It's time. But in order to do that, we have to be willing to drop our nets and leave the boat. Now, Here's, here's a net, and I'm sure this doesn't look like the net they had because this is all that was on Amazon Prime this week and get here by Sunday. Um, <laughs> preparation. So, you know, essentially you would use a net and you would drop that net into the water and you would pull that net back up and you would catch fish. So when the Bible says that Peter dropped his net and left his boat, I want you to imagine this. If you drop this and you let go, where does it go? The bottom. So when Peter dropped his net, what is happening is he's letting go of all that he's known. I mean, I could imagine that these nets weren't cheap. I could imagine that probably Peter's family has probably been doing this for years. That Peter wasn't an educated guy. It's not like he was the next big thing to become a Jewish rabbi. No, no, no. He was an ordinary, uneducated, regular, blue-collar guy. And he drops his net and he leaves to never pick that same net up again. You see, dropping the net wasn't the safe choice. 
It wasn't the safe choice at all. I mean, think about this. I bet Peter needed a, a fallback plan, didn't he? I mean, maybe if this whole, this whole uh, thing doesn't really work out, at least I'll have my net still. And so if following Jesus doesn't really turn out the way I, I hope that it does, well, this, this, at least I'm, I'm still safe, right? Because I got my net still. See, dropping the net, it wasn't the wise choice. I mean, how would the man make money? This is all he's known to put food on the table. This is all his family's ever known was fishing. And so dropping the net now means that the net is gone. How is he going to make money if this thing doesn't work out? I mean, dropping the net wasn't the, the logical choice, right? I mean, common wisdom would say if you've worked at something your whole life, why give it up now? If you practice something and you've had that dream in your heart and you've worked for that college, you worked for that scholarship, or you've worked for that job, why would you give it up now? You spent 25 years doing this. It, dropping the net wasn't the logical choice. But Jesus called him out of the boat. And hear me, I want to be honest. By the world's standards, there's nothing logical about following a Middle Eastern carpenter who said he was the son of God and died naked on a Roman cross. So if you're following Jesus or you want to follow Jesus, you'd better stop asking yourself, what's the safest, wisest, most logical thing to do? Because there's nothing safe about following Jesus. See, dropping the net and following Jesus was a transfer of authority in Peter's life. See, before Christ, Peter held on to the net. Before Christ, Peter was doing it his way. Before Christ... Peter was just trying to make ends meet. Before Christ, he was living for himself. But then he dropped the net and said, from now on, I'm living under the authority of Jesus. See, this is what it means to get in the game. It means transferring authority. See, before Christ, we did what we wanted. If we wanted to go here, we went there. If we wanted to sleep in, we slept in. If we wanted to spend money, we spent money. If we wanted to sleep with her or sleep with him, we slept with her or we slept with him. You get the picture. If you wanted it, you got it because you were your authority. But when people start following Jesus, what happens is a transfer of authority takes place. And what we miss so much, especially here in the South, is that we think that following Jesus is simply knowing about who Jesus is with our heads. I mean, remember this. He met Jesus in John 1. By many Southern Christian standards, he was a Christian because he knew about Jesus. He had met him. He probably shook hands with Jesus. He knew about Jesus. But guess what? It wasn't until Matthew 4 that his life changed. When authority was transferred to where he was no longer fishing for fish, he was fishing for men. He had an authority change in his life. See, dropping the net and following Jesus is way more than just walking an aisle and saying a prayer. It's raising your hand at the right time or doing good things or going to church, or having a family that went to church, or having some experience in VBS when you were three or four and you don't even remember and you don't know if your life changed. See, it's so much more than just not being as bad as the person next door or as bad as the guy at your work. 
It's not knowing facts about Jesus, but Peter knew Jesus in John 1, but it wasn't until Matthew 4 where he dropped his net and gave Jesus the authority of his life. So here's my question today for every single person in the room. No matter how long you've been going to church, no matter how long you've, you've been a part of this whole thing here at Foothills Church, here's the question I want to ask you today. Have you given Jesus the authority of your life? And when I say everybody, I mean everyone in the room. Have you given Jesus the authority of your life, truly? Here's how you know. Have you had a death to life moment? I don't mean a moment where you said a prayer, you walked an aisle, you cried a tear because the music was good and that moment, it just felt right. Just felt something to turn over a new leaf. No, no, no. I mean, have you had a moment to where you were dead and you were walking in your sin and you were far from God and Jesus met you on that road or met you wherever you were at and he made you new in that moment and your life was different? And I would just tell you, if you don't have that moment, and I'm not saying you gotta know the date and have it written down in your Bible somewhere, but, but do you know the moment in time or the season of your life to where everything changed and a switch was flipped in your heart where you went from death to life? Here's a, another question for you. How do you know if you have Jesus the, authority, Jesus the authority of your life? Have you been baptized? Now, you may say, well, Landon, I don't, I don't believe that you have to be baptized in order to be saved. I agree with you. But guess what I know? When you give the authority of your life to Jesus, Jesus becomes your authority. And Jesus' first command is to be baptized. And I, if I were sitting down with you and I asked you about your death to life moment, you say, hey, have you given Jesus the authority of your life? Yes, I have. Well, hey, are you willing to be baptized? I just don't feel right. It's just not time for me. I, I just, I wanna grow a little bit more. Uh, or I wanna wait till my family can be here like three to five years from now. Um, and I, I just need to wait for all the right things to happen. And um, I'll just wait. Well, what I would say to you then, if you're under the authority of Jesus and you're not willing to give Jesus your authority, then you're not under the authority of Jesus. That makes sense? So, so have you been baptized? See, for some of you today, your decision's going to be very clear. You may have had that death to life moment, but you haven't taken that step of putting your life under the authority of Jesus. The first step, which is being baptized. And guess what? Next Sunday, we'd love to baptize you. We'd love to baptize you sometime in the month of October, possibly even next week. We want you to take that step to show everyone that you are under the authority of Jesus Christ. Number three, has your lifestyle changed? I believe this with everything in me, that if your salvation hasn't changed you, it hasn't saved you. See, what we see is that when God calls Peter, he doesn't wait seven years to follow the Bible says immediately he follows Jesus. See, when you give your life to Christ, you get a new heart and out of that heart flows your behaviors and your behaviors really shape your entire lifestyle. See, when we get changed, when Jesus comes into our heart, everything's different. And I, I, I hear people all the time, you know, I just really, nothing really changed. Well, guess what? That means you need to have a heart change, which means you need Jesus in your heart because that's the only way it happens. So ha have you had your death to life moment? Have you been baptized? Have you, has your lifestyle 
changed. See, have you given Jesus the authority of your life? And if, if, if your answer was really no to any of those three questions, I would just say you may have a decision to make today to give Jesus the authority of your life. And yeah, it's hard changing. You, you lose friends. You lose respect from some people. You might lose money. And we could focus on all the things that we lost. We could focus on the thing that we gained. One day I was talking to a, a friend of mine. I was a senior in high school. And uh, he said, Landon, I want to talk to you. Now, we were on a, a retreat with my, uh, I was at a Christian school. And we were on a retreat. And he said, you know, Landon, uh, I want to I give my life to Christ. And I was like, man, that's awesome. He was a, a really influential guy. He was an athlete. Um, he was a, uh, everybody liked this guy. And so I was like, man, that's awesome. Let me, let me tell you what that means. And so we talked and I said, well, hey, before you do this, I wanna make sure you count the cost because guess what? You may lose the respect of your parents. His parents didn't really follow Jesus closely. I said, you, you may lose some friends because your life's gonna be different. You're not gonna get to party at the same places and drink and smoke the same things that everybody else does. And I, I just told him to count the cost because it's gonna be difficult. And he just said, man, I'm not ready. And I, I, in that moment, I was so sad, but I just kind of got passionate. I was like, dude, like, like this is eternity. One day, you're not going to be cool. One day, you're going to be older, and you're not going to be on the football field, and not everybody's going to think about you and want to be you, and you're not going to have all the same friends and want to go party every weekend. Guess what, man? This life is coming to an end soon. I want you to live for eternity. You could die tonight, bro. And, and I'm explaining this, and it's just like a stone face, and he never accepted Jesus because he said, it's just too much. I can't do it right now. And I pray and I hope that he's accepted Christ. I don't know him personally anymore. But I know that he wasn't able to drop the net. And some of us get caught up there. And we're like, ah, oh, it's just to, to kind of move from JV Christian to varsity Christian. That just seems like too much for me, Landon. But guess what? When Peter dropped the net, he gained salvation. It's so much better no matter what the cost is of this earth, no matter what happens in this world, guess what? We get Jesus. We get a better authority than ourselves. We get someone who knows us, who loves us, who wants to care for us, who died on a cross for us. See, by the world's standards, it's not safe, logical, or wise to drop that net. But guess what? The safest, wisest, most logical thing to do for you today is make a decision to give the authority of your life to Jesus and live in eternity with him. See, that's the most logical thing to do because that Middle Eastern carpenter who said he was the son of God who, who died on a Roman cross is now robed in glory. He now sits at the right hand of the Father and is ruling and reigning today even in 2020. Guess what? You can make a decision today to have a better authority. It's no longer you anymore. It's no longer you doing what you want. You can have a better authority today, but you have to get in the game. You have to say, I wanna follow Jesus. You have to get off the sidelines and get in the game and accept him today. See, for many of us, the decision is clear. We need to make a decision today to get in the game. See, some of us, need to make that decision to come back to God for the first time in a long time. In a room this size, I mean, many people are coming back to church for the first time and, and it's been a rough few months spiritually. Maybe it's been not a rough few months, it's been a rough few decades. 
And today you need to make the decision to come back to God. See, for some of us, we need to make the decision to be baptized today. And quit putting it off. Quit waiting. Quit living under your own authority and say, yeah, Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm down. Let's go today. I'm under King Jesus' authority now. See, some of us need to make the decision to give Jesus all authority of our lives and be saved today. It's not when you know Jesus. It's when you give him the authority of your life that he saves you. And drop this net. Because until you've dropped this net and said, all authority, Jesus, you can't pick up salvation today. And I think the thing that's keeping many of us from doing just that is a word called control. We want to stay in control, right? It's like, yeah, I'll follow Jesus for a little while and I'll just kind of leave this back here tied on the belt loop here and just kind of step out for a little bit. But if it doesn't turn out right, I'm back. We like control. I don't want to risk anything. I need to stay in control of all the things in my life. And we're just not willing to drop it. It was a fall in November 2008. I rode the late bus up to the retreat because we played a high school football game that night. My friends were going on the retreat. I wanted to go, so we took the late bus up there. I knew a lot about Jesus. I was a Sunday school kid. I, was in, I went to private Christian school, K through 12th grade. I was a lifer. And I knew all about Jesus, but I hadn't given Jesus the authority in my life. And I was on that late bus and I was stuck in that bus with some upperclassmen. I wasn't really happy about it as a freshman, but there was an upperclassman. His name was Jordan. And Jordan began to talk to me and kind of pour into me that weekend. He loved Jesus and everybody knew it. His entire authority of his life was given to God. And I was trying to figure out what I was doing spiritually. And I remember I was on my knees and I was praying, but I still hadn't, I was on my way going to hell. But I was just trying to dabble and, and, and try to figure out this whole thing spiritually. And he came up behind me and I can remember it like it was yesterday. He, he put his hands on my shoulders and I don't remember the words he said exactly. But I remember that he said, Landon, you have a lot of potential to lead for God. But that potential is nothing until you do something with it. And the Lord and the Holy Spirit began to stir in my soul. And it was on that night, November 15, 2008. Man, I knew it was time. I made the decision. And I dropped the net. And I never looked back. And I'm telling you all, you all today, immediately my life was different. Yeah, I was still a, yeah, I was still a high school boy. But guess what? God made me new. I had that death to life moment. I was baptized. My whole entire life was changed. I began to lead some of my friends to Christ. And, I, and really the reason why I'm talking to you today is because of what happened November 15th, 2008, when I dropped that net and I picked up God's plan for my life. And what I'm telling you today is some of you today, you need to quit holding on to that net. You need to quit trying to control your life. I mean, if 2020 taught us anything, is that do we really control anything? No, absolutely not. So take up a better authority from your life than the news or take up a better authority in your life than what your parents have said. Take up a better authority in your life for what you feel and what you think is right. Quit living your truth and start living under the authority of Jesus because he's a better authority than you are. 
He's so much better. So let me say it again today. Have you given Jesus the authority of your life? If you haven't, the decision is clear. Let go of control. Give it up. It's time to get in the game. I want to make this invitation for you to do that very clear. I'm going to give an invitation for for those who want to be saved or those who want to make a decision to come under Jesus' authority and be baptized. See, I believe God's calling you like he was calling Peter. And guess what? Right now is your chance to immediately follow Jesus. Would you bow your head with me? There's two, peop- two types of people in the room right now that I'm talking to. Are those who need to give Jesus the authority of life. I'm just gonna go and ask you if you're in the room right now, I would just ask you not to leave. Don't get up, don't walk, don't distract somebody. God's about to change somebody's life. There's two people in the room that I'm talking to, somebody who needs to give their life to Jesus and come under his authority and those who have made that decision but need to be baptized. So if you're the person in the room who you say, Pastor Landon, I think that I need to be saved today. I wanna ask you to pray this prayer with me. Say this directly to God. This prayer doesn't save you, but it's your heart to God and he saves you. Say this to him, God, I know that you love me. And I know you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. Come into my life so that I might live for you. I give you all authority of my life today save me with every head bowed and every eye closed if you prayed that prayer today with no one looking around I want to invite you just to put your hand up anybody at all would say that yeah I see that I see that hand put your hand up another weak elbow stuff put it up there I see you in the back I see you right here that's amazing Anybody else just say, yeah, I see you in the back. That's awesome. Anybody else just say, yeah, that's me. You can put your hands down for a second. If you say, Pastor Landon, today I need to to make that decision to be baptized. And I need to come under the authority of Jesus and quit rebelling and doing it my own way. If that's you and you say, Pastor Landon, I'm... I want to be baptized here in the next few weeks and I'm, I'm making that decision today. Would you, put your, would you put your hand up right now? I see that, I see that. Who else? Yes, I see that, I see that hand. Anybody else just say, yeah, I see that in the back. I see those, those two right over there. I see you in the back. Anybody else just say, yeah, that's me. It's awesome. Put your hands down. If you raised your hand at all today, Would you just look up at me for a moment? Yeah, I see you right here, right here. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. 
Uh, those in the back, I see you back there. Anybody else I'm missing, I see you right here. Just wave at me. Anybody else just say, yeah, right here. That's awesome. That's awesome. I see you in the orange. I know it's not very particular right now, but um, anybody else just say, yeah, that's me. Just raise your hand up and wave at me if I missed you. Hey, I want to ask you just a quick question. You mean that today. You're ready to do that. Just like I told my friend, you got to count the cost of what it means to follow Jesus. It's not easy. It's tough, but it's worth it. Here's what I want to invite you guys to do. I have some friends here this morning. They are a part of our care and prayer team. And what they want to do is they want to help you take your next step. Because for every single one of you who gave your life to Christ or you were baptized or you want to be baptized, you have a next step to follow. And so in the back here is my friend Andrew. He's in the Tennessee Titans jersey. He's got both hands up like he's worshiping. All right. Um, what I want to invite you guys to do, and you can take a friend with you if you, you feel odd to, to get up and go. Um, what I want to invite you to do is here in just a moment is on the count of three to stand up and go see Andrew and his team. They are men and women who wanna help you guys with your next step and help you figure out what that is. So I see those of you in the back who, who did that. He's right there. Andrew, keep waving. I see you right here, you know, right here. I know you got a long walk, all right? But I wanna encourage you to make that walk. It'll be worth it. Um, hey, let me get everybody to look up at me. In a moment, I'm gonna ask these people to stand up. And there was a lot of people who said that they need to make a decision today. And guess what we as the church, we get to do. We get to be way louder than a 25% Nayland Stadium next week, okay? All right, we gotta be way louder than that. We gotta celebrate that because people today decided they were not gonna sit in the sidelines anymore, that they were getting in the game. See, this is what happens when God begins to move. So here it is for those of you who made that decision today, don't, wait any longer get in the game one best decision you'll ever make two three stand up come on come on let's keep making noise as they're walking yeah get up on our feet Come on, come on, keep walking. Let's keep making noise. There's still people moving. Today is the day. Come on, keep going. We still got people walking. We're not done. I still see people moving. I mean, them hands better keep going. They're still moving. Jesus, we love you. We're so thankful for what you're doing in this place, God. Use us even in 2020, even in this year, God. Do something spectacular here in our church. We love you. Let's put our hands together one more time.